And that was in the script from the start. So it was kind of like one of those things where you kept saying, um, how much blood is there going to be? How many takes do I need? You know, what? How many multiples of a hundred of these costumes? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Art of Costume Blogcast. I am your host, Spencer Williams, and thank you so much for joining me for another bonus episode. All right, costume nerds, this is not a drill. Today we're being joined by an incredible costume designer, someone whom I've looked up to my entire life. And honestly, I probably would never have started Art of Costume without this designer's contributions to film, television, art, theater. I'm talking about none other than the legendary Colleen Atwood. And today we're going to be talking about a new TV series, which you've all loved and we've talked about on the podcast, Wednesday, for which Colleen designed the costumes for alongside co-costume designer Mark Sutherland. I'm so excited. You've all heard me say that if I could interview one costume designer in this life and be done, it would be Colleen Atwood. So this is actually a dream come true for me. But before I really get to the, <laughs> before I freak out any further... Let's get into the business of the show like we always do. And I will be starting us off with a little summary of Wednesday. When a deliciously wicked prank gets Wednesday expelled, her parents ship her off to Nevermore Academy, the boarding school where they fell in love. While attending Nevermore Academy, Wednesday Adams attempts to master her merging psychic ability, thwart a killing spree, and solve the mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago. Going behind a wardrobe, this show was created by Alfred Goh and Miles Millar. Tim Burton is also the executive producer and a director of several episodes. Costume designers Mark Sutherland and Colleen Atwood designed the costumes. You will know Mark from some of his work, such as Fantastic Beast, for which he co-designed alongside Colleen Atwood. He was also an assistant on Alien Covenant and Fast and the Furious. Colleen Atwood, on the other hand, you will know her from some of her Oscar award-winning work, such as Chicago, Memoirs of a Geisha, Alice in Wonderland, Fantastic Beast, and some other incredible films, such as Edward Scissorhands, Sweeney Todd, Mars Attacks, one of my favorites, and so many more. Without further ado, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we are going to be joined by the Colleen Atwood. episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from prada you can shop for everything on your agenda whether it's a breezy zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright chloe blazer for brunch find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com I am so honored to welcome costume designer Colleen Atwood. Hello, Colleen. I'm so excited to speak to you. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. 
Oh my gosh, uh, what an honor. Uh, I'm so excited to discuss your incredible work with you on Wednesday. But before we dive into the show, some congratulations are in order. You were recently nominated alongside Mark Sutherland for a Costume Designers Guild Award for Excellence in Contemporary Television. Obviously, you're no stranger to awards, but I noticed this may be one of your first uh, nominations in the television category with the with the Guild. What's that like? I think it's my only one with the Guild. It might be. It might be. I don't recall <laughs> having one before. I haven't done... I did a Tony Bennett special years ago that I got a special right. Emmy for, but I don't think the Guild was... I don't think it was part of the Guild thing. So it is kind of... You know, it's like another world for me to be part of. And of course, the idea of, you know, these streamers, which are really, for me, approached the same way as a movie, as opposed to like TV being a separate thing. It just in my brain, I think in design, it's maybe a different style of working. But the the idea of what you're doing is the same. You're designing a world and characters and you know, in creating something um, in a kind of more fluid way. Right. Especially this show. I mean, you you essentially created huge world with Nevermore and the high school and, you know, the town of Jericho. It's as much as anything, a movie. It's just eight hours long. <laughs> really long movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive into everyone's new favorite Netflix series, Wednesday. In that first episode, you had a daunting task of establishing not only Wednesday, but the wider Adams family. I can't imagine you weren't a fan of the Adams family before. So what was this task like taking that on? Well, you know, I, of course, looked at all the Adams family variations before I started. And I actually grew up, uh, my grandfather randomly somehow knew Charles Adams in, in a way and I grew up with an Adams, Charles Adams cartoon in our family um, bathroom. <laughs> right. So weirdly, I don't know why you ended up there. But that's um, amazing. But anyway, you know, I was always intrigued by the sort of style of it and the characters from, you know, from a long time ago. So to me, it was paying homage to the creation of these people that Charles Adams and many people after him had had realized, but at the same time, putting them in a world that people would have connectivity for today, especially, um, you know, with Wednesday and the, the kids. So that was kind of my approach. And luckily, you know, the script, the way the script played out, we kind of established Wednesday as an outsider in a contemporary world of the school in sort of her classic white collared little floral print dress. And then as soon as she got to Nevermore, the floodgates were open for creativity because, A, I had to create the uniforms for the school, which I did was the first thing I did for the project um, because of the lead time on building them all. And the the uniforms were we I talked to Tim, I showed him tons of fabric that was a kind of the classic British sort of school uniform material. But none of them were the right color. And then, you know, we were talking and he said, like, purple would be really great. And so I had I went to the mill that made the fabric and I had a big enough order that they would do it for me. But they they did some samples so I could pick with Tim the purple that we liked. Right. 
And then with Wednesday, I didn't want to get into the black and white stripe thing that's so, you know, sort of a Tim signature. Right. So I thought it would be interesting if her, because she was allergic to color, if hers was gray. <laughs> and I ended up doing a thing with a screen and painting to get the stripes so they were sort of not a hard stripe. Oh, wow. gray and black so that when you look at them, they're kind of shaded and they come and go a little bit, which makes it uh, a little bit softer than if it had been a hard gray and black stripe. Right. There's like a soft gradient to it when you look at it closely. Yeah. When you really get in there. I mean, this the, the show's pretty dark, so I don't know if you really can see it on the mo- on the TV, but you can in stills. Right. <laughs> and then I had I was kind of obsessed with that sp- the collar shape. I wanted to do a collar and I, I, there was a picture of like a Teddy boy kind of look from the sixties in the UK. And I kind of love that super short round spread collar that was kind of around in the sixties. And I thought that was a fun way to go with a tie rather than the usual kind of sloppy pointed school collars that, you know, a purchased uniform shirt would, would have given me. Right. Add a little bit of a interesting style to it. It's it's a, Yeah, it kind of makes it modern but kind of classic and sort of different and as we know, I'm a, I'm very obsessed with uh collars and neck shapes and stuff on people because so many things are shot quite tightly. So it's right. always nice when those things fit people and and it's important to me. And Mark, my co-designer, and I work together a lot, and he knows that about me. So he's like really on it with me too. So it's been, you know, it was a fun collaboration that way. Colleen loves a collar. <laughs> I love a collar of, of any shape, as long as it fits. <laughs> right. I was so excited to see Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia Adams. I mean, she was just born for this role. It was incredible. Uh, I also imagine designing a costume for Morticia might be a little bit of a challenge since it's, you know, usually pretty black when you look at it. So how do you go about that challenge? Well, I made it in two or three materials to start with. I made it because I was trying to like figure out a way to kind of update it and make it more today. I tried it in leather, but it was just too much. It just looked, you know, it was great, but it didn't feel like Morticia to me. Right. Because ultimately Morticia's softer, she's more more flowing and and the leather was just kind of presentational. Right. So um I went off that and um moved on to two or three. I did it in silk and then I did it in this jersey that it actually ended up being, which is probably fairly close to what the original one was. But I played with the neckline a little bit just because of Catherine's body and her face and everything. I didn't go for the V. I went for a different shape in the neckline. And then I was playing around with this technique of bonding two fabrics and sort of twisting them with silver and black. And I had they were it was kind of on the table and I picked it up and I held it against the dress and it, it did those little side vent things, which kind of gave it a, a little bit of a lift and it also kind of defined the hourglass shape of Morticia a little bit with using a light thing rather than just corsetry and, you know, all the gear that's underneath that dress. Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's very gentle and soft, but also still statuesque. Um, she looked incredible. I love that costume. <laughs> it's- what I also loved was uh, Wednesday because, you know, she usually has a pretty... Um, you know, recognizable silhouette, but outside of her uniform, you gave her a little bit of a more 
contemporary feel, which was interesting. I really appreciate it. Thanks. It was fun to do because, you know, the only, the only rule with Wednesday is that it had to be black and white. Right. <laughs> so we played around with all different juxtapositions of pattern, texture, surface, like shiny to flat to knits to, you know, defining white and black against each other, big, bigger, exaggerated collars. And you also with the exaggerated collars, like, you know, we had a nod to Pilgrim World in her Pilgrim foremother before her. <laughs> and so um, that kind of gave me another creative idea, you know, latitude to kind of play around. And I also wanted Wednesday to be a person that that was a kid like the other kids, you know, like she went out and she did things and, you know, she may have her approach may have been a little bit different and for a different purpose. But um, but she was, you know, she was like everybody else in a way, but different. Right. And then also at the same time, too, I felt like she was relatable to the audience, too. And all the you know younger generations are watching Netflix and seeing this character that, you know, maybe we're not all Wednesday Adams, but you could see parts of yourself in her and her clothing and fashion. I think it's like a really, um, you know, it's a really exciting thing that that people you know, have connected with the character on a, both a fashion level, but on a human level too, that, that there's obviously a space there for, for people that, you know, that feel that classic outsider sort of vibe, but they still, they're still people and recognizable as such. Mm-hmm. I just have to call out one of my favorite costumes. It's when she's riding a motorcycle with Uncle Fester, the black and white helmets. I mean, that's just chef's kiss. That's an incredible costume. That was fun. I mean, the um, I, the riders came up with the Dalmatian um, helmet idea. It was in the script. But um, but it just is so silly with the ears on it and everything that, you know, we played around with different ears and and stuff and kind of went snoopy with it a little bit <laughs> but can't go wrong with that with a right nice spot it's silly but like everyone accepted it like of course that's something they would wear that that, that fester would come up with right. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Uh, we have to talk about Enid. Now, she is basically the opposite of Wednesday in every shape or form. Uh, lots of pinks, lots of yellows i mean it's very beautiful and cute and adorable and also a little uh fuzzy too with a little bit of the fur texture right uh, so how did you approach enid well enid was you know from the the lupine family the the wolf family so she um that was the idea with the textures on her and i really wanted you know they occupied a space next to each other and I really wanted Enid to have a graphic sense to her in the same in the same way that Wednesday did without being kind of just a puffy pink thing. I wanted mm -hmm. her to have strength in graphics within the color range that she was, you know, that were her colors. 
So we that was kind of our approach to find always whenever she got dressed, pretty much something that had like in the picture here, a plaid skirt or a floral skirt. The stripes on the sweaters were were strong stripes. They weren't weak stripes. So I used kind of geometrics on her clothes in the same way I did on Wednesday. I just did them in color. Uh, so great to look. I mean, she has such a strong sense of style and fashion, too. Uh, I would want to be her friend. Yeah, the two of them together are so great. It's kind of like something for everyone kind of moment in a funny way. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, we have to talk about Principal Weems, played by the incredible Gwendolyn Christie. Uh, so excited for her. Such a great role. Um, she actually said in an interview in Vogue recently about working with you. And I just want to read it. She said, uh, Principal Larissa Weems is the most glamorous character I've ever played. And the first time I felt genuinely beautiful in a screen project, Colleen was so extraordinarily collaborative and made me and my body feel so celebrated. I just thought that was beautiful. So I want to know, uh, what was it like collaborating with Gwendolyn on this project and this character? Well, it's really, it's really lovely that she said that. I mean, that's such a sort of articulate way of acknowledging somebody's work as a designer. I think it's really sweet and it doesn't come often, even though people feel it, they don't necessarily um, say it. Mm -hmm. Gwendolyn and I met and I had this like in my living room where I was staying in the UK, I had a old, a vintage Alfred Hitchcock picture of the birds. And it was just a kind of three quarter headshot of Tippi Hedren with these birds behind it. And I bought the poster because I remember the moment I saw that movie and I, the poster was the most amazing colors. It was like mauve and like a really very French, like very French sixties, like faded pistachio and mauves and stuff. And I, and the hair was kind of the chignon and you know, the, the, the look and I showed it to her and I said, I can't get this out of head, my head for wings. <laughs> I think that you could be not Tippy Hadron, but like it's not a different character, but you could have the feeling of that sort of classic old world glamour, like that there's people in small towns and stuff that you see that always look very um, pulled together and glamorous, even though they may not be in a really big city or anything like that that you get all the magazines and you're up to date and maybe you have a local dressmaker, you torture into making these clothes for you (laughs) that you have like this thing and that sort of the use of the tweeds and the sort of faded color, but a little bit softer was kind of how I wanted her character backing into the reality of it. These people that run these private schools aren't just fusty old people in a blazer. These, these, (laughs) These people have to go out to fundraisers. They have to raise money. They have to sell the school. You know, there's a lot that goes into that job as a job. So I like mm. having her be being presentational in that way in my mind. I mean, we never saw her do that. But just like I was like, OK, this is this person and this is how she can be. And and then she brings her own kind of panache to the table. I mean, she knows how to walk in a costume. She knows how to, when she stand, like it's a, a hoot because every time <laughs> she stops, every time she stops in a costume, it's the perfect like catalog pose for the costume. <laughs> I can imagine. It's hilarious for those of us who appreciate that. She's so great. She yes. never dropped. She never dropped it for a second. 
Oh my gosh. I love that. I would love like some behind the scenes, just video of her walking around. Yeah, no, she's so <laughs> awesome. She was such a great collaborator for me and I had so much fun with the character. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I didn't think of it that like in that sense that where she is very presentational, she has to be the face of the school. So she might come off as hard sometimes, but she still has to, you know, present as soft with the color palette and inviting to, to the outside world. So, yeah, she's very interesting character actually at the end of the day. So. So I want to talk about the poke up. It was so much fun. You got to pack in a lot of interesting, fun costumes, but I imagine that it must be quite a challenge too. I mean, this is taking place in little boats on a water. So how did your team go about the scene? Well, I really have to hand this part of the heavy lifting to Mark and Bobby, who was my Bobby Sucher, who's a Brit, who's what was my second kind of costume assistant. Because they were there. I wasn't there when we were shooting the poke up, but they were okay. and they had to deal with it. But in, you know, we did versions of we did a couple versions of this costume, these costumes to get them right. We had to you we had to be able to have them at least work with with a wetsuit underneath wet gear so they wouldn't freeze to death because it was cold. Right. I mean, the fact <laughs> that they did it is so amazing. They did such a great job. And then we had each of the fam, like each kind of group represented. And it just, um, it kind of came together gradually. Wednesday's team was kind of the first one that we we started with because it was kind of the, the winning team. And we wanted to get that look right and then back into the others and play them off, you know, the different things. So we used different colors and different blocks of colors you know, kind of like racing drivers and stuff with with sort of use of graphics and juxtaposition of color, but still to try to sell that they could have made them themselves. They weren't like too professional. Right. <laughs> they weren't having these costumes made out where. <laughs> no, no, they kind of pulled it together themselves. Uh, I've been dying to talk about the Raven ever since I saw this episode. It was just fantastic. Um, I thought it was interesting that for the broader color palette, it was lots of whites, but then of course they all get covered in blood. So it made sense in the end. Right. But, uh, let's talk about the Raven. How did you pull the scene together? Well, the whole idea of the Raven is that we, we, that it was sort of a white winter white scene. So we used the colors of snow and ice for the costumes. So there's white, but like, in Bianca's thing, there's like a blue ice tinge to it. So that was kind of the rule. And that was in the script from the start. So it was kind of like one of those things where you kept saying, um, how much blood is there going to be? How many takes do I need? <laughs> you know, what how many multiples of a hundred of these costumes? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so in the from the very beginning, our rule was if we were out and we saw something great that could work for that ball, we'd buy three of them. <laughs> oh, so we man. started gathering it really early days to get enough stuff to, um, you know, to make it work. And then the principles we found, we we found and made their stuff to, you know, to sort of jazz them up a little bit. But just enough to cover this stuff because it, it got pretty samey after a while. So we were really... It's really good that we knew ahead of time that, um, you know, that it was that it was in the script and that they were going to get blood on them. <laughs> That's a real relief. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's good. 
And it worked really well when they did it. We didn't do that. I think they did it twice as max or they did one and then they did. Bit. Oh, wow. So it wasn't like as crazy as we all thought it was going to be. We were a little, but that's kind of the genius of Tim. He knows like what things he's going to get and he sort of gets them in pieces. So, it, so it works great. And then her dress for the dance. Oh man, we have to talk about, I mean, this is the most famous dress in the world right now. <laughs> I know, isn't it crazy? It's insane. <laughs> I saw the um, Olympic skater thing the other day. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Right. I mean, it's being, it's showing up everywhere now. I mean, and for good reason, it's a gorgeous dress. I love this dress. Well, you know, what's funny about that dress? I was looking for you know, I was thinking about it the whole time because it was always in the script that she had this epic dress. And I was kind of think, you know, figuring I'd end up making it because I needed so many. And I was kind of going, it's she's supposed to get it from this, you know, thrift store in town. So I was like, okay. So do kind of thinking, well, maybe it has a skirt like an old, you know, prom dress, but the top could be something different and not a prom dress. And I was walking down Bond Street in London and I looked in, I was went into the Elias shop and this dress was on a mannequin. And I was like, oh my God, it's the dress. It's the dress <laughs> I was thinking of, but better. And um, I had an assistant with me at the time who was about the same size as Jenna. So I had, I said, could you put that on for me and let me just see how it moves and stuff. So um, she put it on and I was like, it was so great. And we ended up um, buying it. And then I had to replicate it. I did some, a few little changes to it to make it more um, cinematic for Jenna because the scale of it was a little bit bigger and I just pulled it in a little bit. Um, so it wasn't overwhelming on her, her petite um, body, but she put it on when she put it on, she was just like, she loved it. It was like it was like <laughs> a perfect kind of marriage of a dress and a, and an artist. Right. And we we had no idea, you know, what the choreography was going to be for the number um, at the at that point in history. I just knew it would be a dress that she could really dance in and really do something. And then she took it so next level, you know. Uh, it's so iconic. It's like a, a star was born in that moment with the dress. And, you know, of course, everyone loves Jenna Ortega. But, yeah, it's such an incredible scene. Yeah, it's, she really made it something more than anybody ever imagined, you know. It was spectacular. Right. I want to talk about Christina Ricci and her character as Marilyn Thornhill. Uh, she loves plants. So I kind of feel like that played a little bit into her costume. Definitely. She was, you know, I tried to find without getting too like of about it, but I, I, I tried to find things that were very um, sort of floral or plant like. I felt like she was somebody that was kind of either kept stuff for a long time or maybe did a little thrift shopping. So she had a lot of vintage um, pieces mixed with contemporary in her wardrobe. I I liked the idea of, of her being in sort of the green kind of plant colors, but I've changed it up with other stuff too. So there wasn't just like, she was the green person in the, in the thing. Right. <laughs> Originally she was going to do, a, her hair wasn't going to be as red as it ended up being in the, in the movie, but um, Tim really wanted her hair to be super red. So it ended up working well with the colors of, of her wardrobe, which are more kind of muted greens, a little, you know, the blue, 
boiler suit and all that, which is a vintage boiler suit from the 40s. So oh, I kind wow. of had fun with her in the sense of mixing vintage pieces with with contemporary fashion in a way that made her timeless in her in her look. Right. And it pops so well against her red shoes, too. I yeah, mean, those boots. Ugh. I couldn't, oh we couldn't believe because those were in the script. And I was like, I couldn't believe that we actually found boots. We ended up making them more red than they were. But we at least found boots that had a red base that we could um, we oversprayed them with rubber that was a brighter red to get that really strong red color for her. Right. Uh, I love those boots. <laughs> I think everyone loves those boots. Uh, well, Colleen, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Wednesday. This I love this show. The entire world loves it. And I'm so excited to see all the excitement around the show going into you know all these award seasons and whatnot. So it's a real honor. Pretty great. Thank you so much. It's been a fun uh, kind of it was kind of a quiet show. Nobody knew what was really going on. And then, boom, people just like it took loved. over the world. Pretty great when that happens. Right. Well, thank you, Colleen. Thank you so much. It's been a real honor. It was nice meeting you. Take care. The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. 